Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Interjections podcast, the undiscovered decade, as we call it. Uh, this is a podcast where we look back at the 1990s and try to dig up the hidden gems that we left behind in our youth. And, or uh, didn't find. Because they were invisible. Or, yeah, didn't find because they uh, got buried by the box office. Uh, so for August 1993, we looked back at uh, one of our patron saints, the sort of initial reason that we uh, started this podcast, uh, Robert Downey Jr. We we had him back in 1990 with Air America, but uh, this film that we're talking about this month, Heart and Souls, is a film that's sort of near and dear to my heart. So I sort of, this was the Tristan pick. And your soul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, this I had is to do it before Jimmy got it in there. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know. Yeah. This is probably uh, one of the first movies I really saw a lot. You know, it's one of those things that you'd catch on TV and my parents would leave it on. So appropriately today uh, would have been their 40th anniversary. So uh, I think this is poignant for them uh, to look back on one of their favorite films. So hmm. um, I don't know if they even remembered it. We watched it a lot when I was a kid, for sure. And so I had this whimsical nostalgia about this film, but sort of like this film seems to have for itself, even uh, within the confines of the actual plot. So it starts in the 60s uh, because it's it's a weird conceit. Basically, uh, a kid is born at the same exact time that a bus crashes and kills five people. Convoluted. Um, four of the, the souls get latched on to the baby and become his guardian angels. Yeah, and the fifth soul is the bus driver. And yeah, he, goes he to disappears. So what's up with that? But yeah. uh, And it was his fault that they died, too. Right, like, so he shouldn't be going up. But, <laughs> but he, does, he, does get, he does get his comeuppance. Like, he, he, has, he has his penance. He's right. Gotta... So eventually he comes back in 1993 and tells him, oh, you should have been uh, finalizing your lives. Like, you do one last task to make everything good. And you could come up. And they're like, no one told us. So apparently God fucked up. And in typical well, bureaucratic no, no, fashion. God, it was an angel. An angel was knew. supposed to come down and tell them, but he never showed up. Or she. The notification never made it to the mailbox. Yeah. So. Greg Kinnear We've should have been, been at that mail. Yes. <laughs> We've all been. Um, so the four souls, though, are a pretty good uh, range of character actors or... Uh, eventually more famous people including you can see behind Corey's shoulder charles groden who is a wannabe uh opera singer uh tom sizemore who is that ear that is next to charles groden talking to him in that scene uh he plays a, a low a low time thief uh then we have a greaser Al- <laughs> yeah it's uh, funny when robert downing impersonates him he makes him way more vulgar than he actually is in the movie i know uh alfred <laughs> woodard who plays just a mother who works at night and Kira Sedgwick, who is a cocktail waitress. She's a cocktail waitress. Yeah, trying to make it in the big city of San Francisco. Fresh yeah. <laughs> off the bus. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see them all uh, a bit younger. So Charles Gordon's still in like the prime of his life because he's coming off of stuff like Midnight Run. But so there's not much else to it. They then uh, go into their tasks and yeah, it's really all their lives. It's not really. Uh, crazy after that but it's weird the runtime is almost too short to accommodate all these plot lines yeah 
they wrap up those last two real fast. They spend a lot of time introducing the characters, but then after that, everything feels rushed. And I well, kind of, it makes sense because they are kind of rushed because they do have a bit of time before they have to get picked up and go to heaven and I'm get rushed. redistributed it, as a new soul to live on Earth. I was going to say, at one point, David Pamer arrives a little bit too early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost later. every time. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. He plays hard and fast with those rules. Uh, and Yeah, the, the, the rules are weird. Sometimes they can interact with the physical world. Sometimes they can't. Yeah. It's kind of like Ghost in a way. And it's, I think that's why I like it. At least in Ghost, they establish that if you concentrate hard enough, you can move things in the in the corporal right. world. And this, it's just like whatever fits the tone we're going for, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, Ghost has a better set of rules. Yeah. And I think that's why I liked this film in the first place, because I had seen Ghost first and liked Ghost. So this felt like a knockoff. But yeah, you know, I love the beginning. All the intro stuff is fun. Uh, when it's he's very good, a kid, yeah. uh, they 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 haunt him, and it's like having imaginary friends as a kid. Right. And I think that's why I liked it because I was probably the age that Downey's character is at that time in like 1975 or whatever. So I don't know. Then he becomes an adult and he's a dick, and I did not remember him being such an asshole. <laughs> so yeah. Well, moral of the story is uh, that's what therapy does to you. It turns you into a dick. So don't go to therapy, kids. He gets his comeuppance throughout the film. Um, boy, another example of Elizabeth Shue being wasted in the nineties. Yeah, she had nothing to do in this. He, she plays his uh, henpeck or not henpeck, uh, heart put upon. She's nagging girl. for sure. She, she plays his put upon girlfriend who doesn't really get anything out of him. He's just doing zany things, and he's like, "Oh, it'll be fine. I'll I'll, I'll be right back." And fucks up in public and <laughs> yeah. he's just like i guess this is fine i love you right classic classic well, a, there is a, a funny part 90s romantic kind of comedy now. there's a funny part that's kind of meta now where he's in the police station and he's talking to the uh, police captain he's like i swear i'm not on drugs i was like mm -hmm. not yet mm -hmm. i wonder if they knew i i keep thinking like you look at him in some of the shots and you're like is he on cocaine right now I mean, he was hanging out with Tom Sizemore. Like, who knows what they were doing Ooh. behind the scenes? Yeah. yeah, right. They could have been doing all the things. Groden's just shaking his head. Why would you do that? Why? Was this around the time that uh, Robert Downey Jr. like broke into somebody's house and like slept yes. in somebody's baby's crib? Yeah. Yes. Uh, was that now? I feel like it was a little later. I think it was around this time. Yeah, it's in the '90s. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but that's not. That's not something he would want us to dig up a lot. You know what else he wouldn't want us to dig up? When he's doing an impression of Alfred Woodard and it comes dangerously oh. close to blackface. Oh, yeah. I mean, he pulled off blackface. I think he... He's, he's doing fine. a sassy black woman impression. Yeah, we talk about... But he's being possessed by being... a ghost. Yeah, but she doesn't That's even black. act like that when she's... Her character. I know. He's, like, he's, he's very broad. He's putting caricatures onto all four of them, and it's a little rough on Alfred. And that's why he got the role in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. A guy playing a dude disguised as another dude disguised as a lady. They Maybe do have a Kirk uh, Lazarus prequel. Yeah. Uh, that actually was a reunion between Alfred Woodard and uh, Robert Downey Jr. For uh, there, there was one uh, in the Avengers where. Uh, Alfred plays this uh, mother who uh, her son died from collateral damage and so comes up to him and is like you guys gotta stop 
And so that that's sort of the reason that he sides with the government in civil war. That's the one she's in. Yeah. So um so that's kind of cool. I wonder I had wondered once I realized that they were in this movie together if they uh if he got her in there because they're friends, you know, from this movie. Right. But who knows? So I'm sure they seem like they're having fun despite the the weirdness around the actual plot. So I think yeah. they they have good chemistry. They get along together, I would imagine. Or they're real professional, you know. All all five of them. But Yeah. Neither one of them aged a day. Yeah. Uh, well, they're ghosts. <laughs> I met her and Robert. Oh, you mean like between when when I when you see him in real life? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The only difference is he has that Iron Man goatee now. Yeah, painted on goatee. There's got right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like all four of the ghosts. That's my favorite part. Like they all have distinct personalities. Oh, I mean, yeah. their, their resolutions are a little shaky, but I love them. Doing whatever they can to resolve. Very tidy and pat. Yeah, I just like what they do as actors more than their characters' performances. You know, honestly, I think they should have whittled it down to maybe three. Yeah, three was a little better. too many. Yeah, because they sort of just wrap up Kira's in like, oh, it was you all the time. <laughs> yeah, is it? It did a ghost fall in love with Robert? Actually, I was telling Jimmy, I'm like. They had to watch him go through puberty. This is a little awkward. Well, yeah. what's more awkward, that or the uh, the dream in Ghostbusters where Dan Aykroyd's getting fellatio from a ghost? I mean, that's a bit. This a is convenient like, time. Uh, happened, no? yeah. It's convenient that we jump to full adult and he's been through several <laughs> relationships. They mentioned they go to Aruba, so I think that's kind of cool. They got to go on a free trip to Aruba, even though they're oh, ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. They at least get to see Aruba. But I, I, I'm trying to reconnect why because I, I remember the, the scene where like they just fade away and he's just crying because he can't see them anymore and he's like a little kid um, and then they just mysteriously appear 30 years later. Yeah. And I'm trying it's, to was it just he couldn't see them anymore? No, well, they, they, uh, they, they choose they, to fade away which they yeah. apparently had always known they could do but didn't no. choose to do in the first place. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, well, because like he, he he was getting in trouble because like uh um when he was a kid like they were right. they were doing stuff that like a kid shouldn't be doing but like since right. they're ghosts and they're adults are basically supervising him but uh like going to the uh um horse tracks was a probably big no no and um yeah. that got his parents into trouble so uh and uh, him singing and dancing in the bathroom at school uh caused concern so like they were like maybe he has behavioral issues and he needs to see a therapist and for his sake the ghost decided to be like maybe we should dip out because like this is this isn't healthy for him to have like real imaginary friends but nobody else is going to understand that because you know the problem is he's a little too old to repress those memories though because if that happened to me at that age i think i'd remember it yeah i'd bring it i think you can see it in his eyes yeah Yeah. he remembers You were talking before the podcast, Corey, about like put it when you're watching a movie and you start writing your own version. Yeah, this this is pretty good. This is pretty good. But there were moments I'm like, you know, I want to explore what it's like if you're attached to someone as a ghost and then you can appear to them. That's sort of drop dead, Fred. That's the plot of that. 
I feel like Ghost Town's almost like an unofficial remake of this, and it's, yeah, it's better. Yeah, that's what you've been saying to me. I've never actually seen it. You guys know this, the Ricky Gervais movie from 2010. Do you remember that happening? It's actually got Greg Kinnear in it. No. Yeah. It sounded good, but it barely came out. It came out around this time in 2010. David uh, um, Cap, you probably know, the writer. We covered him for Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's a writer-director of that. Yeah. So so maybe maybe that's, that's what would be what we wanted from this film. Yeah. The tone, the tones shift wildly. At one point, there's a musical number. Yeah, in yeah. this or in Ghost Town? In this. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure if they if they did in that, I'm like, well, then that's both films. No. no, no. So yeah. Okay. They actually yeah. had a couple of musical numbers. Yeah. Technically, if you count the Charles Grodin thing, the Star Spangled Banner I'm... with BB King. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'd have thrown his ass out of there so fast. BB King would have had it kicked out. And he's like, oh, who's this uh, guy up on stage? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go on stage with him and play. They, they needed. Musical. They needed a Cab Calloway moment, like Blues Brothers. Yeah. Oh, please. That happens <laughs> much more organically, them. though. So. I, I want to make special notice. This might be the worst age makeup I've ever seen. On on Alfred's uh, neighbor. On Alfred's neighbor and um, the guy that uh, stole the stamps. Oh, uh, Richard Portnow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who we saw in that, um, what was that Jeff Daniels movie that Jeff was really interested in that took place in New Jersey? There Goes the Neighborhood? Yeah, There Goes the Neighborhood. He he was in that as the realtor. Yeah, Alfred Woodard's neighbor looked like Medea. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. (laughs) It was a little rough. Luckily, she's only in like a minute of the film. (laughs) So. But I oh, said, wait, I oh, okay. Halloween costume in this? <laughs> yeah, talk about uh, rough moments. Yeah. Um, it was kind of funny that they had uh, Robert Downey Jr. inhabit Tom Sizemore, though, to steal back the stamps. And then he hits the old man as Tom Sizemore. <laughs> like, this yeah. is not something I would condone as one of his uh, guardian angels. Yeah, that was a good deed. Yeah. He's a servant. Yeah, this is a weird film. Yeah. I definitely loved it as a kid, but it's really just that nostalgic beginning. Right. So Yeah, like the the, the beginning he um he balances all the storylines pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then uh it just I feel like once uh <laughs> Robert Downey's character becomes an adult, it kind of goes downhill. Mm-hmm. You know it's, who it is actually. Very uh, melodramatic and soggy. The group that made this is the one that made uh, Tremors, our first film. Our first yes. episode. Yeah, Ron Underwood, Underwood. right? Yeah. yeah. And the two writers, um, they took a story by these brothers that I think are from Scandinavia somewhere. I couldn't really find any information. You said there were four writers. The bottom two were the yeah. story. And um, there's not much on them, but in IMDb, it has them listed as having a short film of it. So I'm real curious if this is better as like a 20-minute thing. But I can't find any information on an original version of this, like like it says for their credit. So, and it looks like the guys from Tremors sort of took it and made it this into their own. Mm. So I'm real curious about the uh, creative process of this, but I couldn't find anything online about it. It's weird uh, that in this movie they're not good with the economy of characters. 
But in Tremors, they got that whole town that they established mm-hmm. really well. Yeah. You would think they'd have a better time doing this, but right. there's even less characters in this than Tremors. Yeah, because yeah. like I said, Elizabeth Shue is she's she's Wasted, thankless. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe they just blew blew the budget on the uh, opening uh, sequence because like it starts off as like a, the, uh, the, a, a cityscape zooming in onto the like the you know the city they live in, but like the yeah. whole thing is a miniature and very oh, yeah. clearly a miniature and like uh, maybe they blew cool. the budget on that. Like okay, all right. so well. it's just gonna it's gonna be just we're gonna go go right yeah. into this and just gonna be a straight A to B process. Or maybe it was all the ghost uh, actions. Like them floating yeah. through the air. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. special effects does add up. Yeah, that was a little rough too. But I don't know. I still like the film nonetheless. But it's it's mostly nostalgia at this point. Yeah, so. I mean, it is it is pretty cheeky and like a uh, fun. Uh, it's a good popcorn movie. Kill the time. Uh, yeah. I imagine this like uh, if it came out today, it'd probably be like same deal oh this would be on netflix or streamer yeah yeah they are that yeah this yeah. would not be in theaters <laughs> yeah so the modern like in the day uk when it went like straight streaming. to straight yeah. to video yeah. oh is that right yeah it? it never got a theatrical release in the uk <laughs> well, wow. well that sort of makes sense honestly yeah yeah <laughs> what did you think jeff i mean i enjoyed it i thought it was fun i just um you know the 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 ghost rules, like Corey was saying before. There was there were too many characters to try to keep all of that straight. Um, hmm. Or no, it wasn't that there were too many characters. That there wasn't enough time. Yeah, like, I feel like right. this could have been like if you added another twenty minutes, would have felt like a more yeah, sizable. They, they don't need to go I, through I was, the rules. I was fine but... with the length, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, they don't need to go through the rules. They just need to be. Uh confident about what those rules mean you it's know? funny because i looked at the timestamp when they were wrapping up the alfred woodard storyline i'm like we only got 10 minutes left are you crazy yeah. how's yeah. that possible i um i do think because of this you know if they're confident about certain things they got it with his um with kira sedgwick and tom sizemore taking him over in the boardroom like he's yeah. like what am i going to do how am i going to solve this and they're like tell them you're on this specific drug this made you do this they're like yeah okay and it actually sort of sounds like it makes sense because those actors sell it you know yeah, it, it feels like they're like yeah we don't have to go into why he's a, he's possessed you know sure. it just happens it is. and then it was funny and it was it was good so it, it is interesting though that you know we're talking about the different personalities of the four ghosts and i think they're each meant to represent a different type of love in his life mm-hmm Mm. Yeah, motherly love, romantic love, brotherly love, and fatherly. He doesn't really, fatherly. Yeah. He doesn't really get to do an impression of Groden, really. Right. He just sings as Groden, which I know. I'd like to see him. Well, he's, he's because no one can impersonate Charles Groden. I know. There is only I one. See him try though. <laughs> he'll go. Yeah. He'll come perilously close to blackface before he does Charles Groden. Oh, yeah. I think. I think for the for, for the story, yeah. his, the uh, the impersonation of Groden would be like the uh, like the singing part because like Robert Downey Jr.'s character probably doesn't really sing well, so like when he starts singing extraordinarily well, 
that's that's the uh I just wish there was more the personality of a Groden's character to it. Right. Yeah. Well the character itself is kind of stiff. So yeah. there's not much for either of them to yeah. play with. No, like a, he's not really, I guess the thing great. that you'd he'd have to lean in on was his talent, not his personality, because yeah. like you said, his personality was kind of dry. Like I like what he says to Downey's character as a boy, and he seems kind of fun as like a father. And so I don't know if there was a way to have a differentiation when he's personable with people, but then he's on stage, he has such severe stage fright. There could be a difference. And and then Downey could inhabit him and make him looser well on stage, you know. It's he's not full on Charles Groden in this. Yeah, they didn't develop that one very well. So maybe if you just have the other three, they're younger. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Can't well, I mean, them. like, in that in that part, uh, like, where he's on stage and, like, forces Groden to, like, possess him to get his deed done, uh, it can make sense, because, like, you got to face your fears, and he's already dead, so it's like, come on, man. I feel like, like he's, he's like, cheating uh, because he's Downey's character was, like, it's like, you, you waste, he basically like, just said to him, was like, you wasted your life not trying. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I guess it had to be abrupt to force him to finally get on stage and sing. Right. I, I think like he didn't fine. really conquer stage fright though because he's still yeah. using Robert Downey Jr. as an avatar. So. Okay. Well, what is he, he, he going to do? Like fulfill his task. There's no rules that can get him to actually That's a problem the rules or not. Yeah. It's not like Patrick Swayze. So. I mean, it could be. Could have been. It could have so been. Was he doing an impression of Wolf He could have held hands with uh, B.B. King and be like, and like do a little duet. Just Charles Grodin building, you know, making pottery. Over <laughs> Danny Jr. <laughs> why, why, why would you make it like that? Why well, would you making that? pottery through Robert Downey Jr. with BB King. <laughs> would it have been a better scene? Or, 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 yeah, or, or better yet, better yet, more they're, memorable. They're both, they're both crushing each you other lovingly about while that? strumming his guitar. Yeah, just strumming yep. along. Honestly, if Charles Gordon inhabited BB King, that might have been better. <laughs> oh, it is interesting they don't ever go back to the parents because the parents are so frantic and worried about him. Yeah, and then we just never see them again. Alfred's just like, "Call your mother sometimes." Yeah, yeah I would have. I would have thought. Example: that. Stop being caught. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Not much else to this film, honestly. Really not. <laughs> <clears throat> surprisingly more plot driven than you would think yeah i was hoping for something a little more character driven it's very capra-esque at the beginning but like you said yeah i'd give that first half hour uh, an a plus and then the rest maybe like a b minus okay yeah so if, as a whole i'd probably give it a b plus oh yeah me too yeah yeah, yeah b plus um because it wasn't probably, a bad movie yeah i'd give it a c very frivolous that, the, the characters aren't really given much room to breathe unfortunately because they're slaves to the plot and the plot dictates that everything's got to get resolved like that how many times did i turn to you jimmy and say cord must hate this no so many <laughs> i was like this is too frivolous yeah it can be frivolous and fun at the same time, but somehow. Yeah. 
like I like I said, the the, the rules are just not. They're whimsical in a way, but they got to be a little more concrete. I need a little more set in stone what these rules are. So yeah. Also, I they mean, could they could have worked a little bit on uh, making the romance part of the movie a little or more. Or cut it out. Or cut it out, like something. Yeah, like, really make make it there. more more. Uh, give us more to invest in their love. There's a really weird movie from Robert Downey Jr. like five years before this called Chances Are, where he comes back, he's resurrected as a new character and romances his own daughter as this new person. He has grown up and is now the age of his daughter. Creepy. And it's real weird. But the concept ends up working in the end because they, I don't know, it's 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 weird and you should watch it because it's Iris good. good. It's actually it's better, it's better than this, but Civil Shepherd plays his wife, who's now his potential mother-in-law. Um, yeah. But this is a high concept like that. And I think <clears> if they had just gone into the Kira Sedgwick is his romantic partner in this. And then in the end, she's like, you can find someone that's living. And I will accept that. I know I grew up with you, but now I have to let you go. That could be a better conceit than having him have to be with Elizabeth Shue, who's just like, I don't know what the hell is going on today. You know? Yeah. And then you, by the end, you're like, why is she tolerating this bullshit? Right. Then you have more time to develop the ghosts themselves, you know? Yes. I don't know. That's what I would do. Maybe that's what Ghost Town is about. But... They focus really on one ghost at first and then it expands mm -hmm. a little bit, but they're not. Right. It's not like a whole quartet of them. Right. Yeah. Anyway, what would you uh, give it, Jeff? B. Yeah. Solid B. Yeah. Cool. Because, like many other things, I can see this becoming a musical somehow. <laughs> Honestly, boy, this guy never, never devices theatrical roots. Look at him. Look at him. I think. Cause think about it. You got to one, one of the main you? characters who's, whose last thing he needed to do in life was get over his stage fright. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. They get all these other ones. Kara Sedgwick works at a uh, lounge. She could have wanted to uh -huh. be a singer herself as well. Uh -huh. Oh, uh -huh. the, the little, little tidbit of the uh, like the whole music theme of the movie. Like uh, I forgot. Like there's that lullaby that's like that comes up like three or four times in the movie, along mm -hmm. with the uh, like how uh, 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 walk like a man. What was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, walk like yeah. a man. Yeah. Like that came that's out like he's... came up like three times. Uh, you have then to have that as the big, bit, big dance uh, number. Yeah, the, yeah, this movie is surprisingly uh, musically themed. So I'm calling mm -hmm. it right now. Mm -hmm. Eventually, somewhere down the road, this is getting... Hey, attention to the road. Right, exactly. Don't look at people touching each other. <laughs> Don't scream at him while he's in the car. That's coast. how you get for it. Right, Steven Sondheim over here. Yeah, right. um, yeah, so that's uh, Jeff and my next project. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Make this uh, into a musical. Yep. Does anybody remember this movie? And the next Pasek and Paul. Uh, yep. Gilbert and Sullivan over here. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, high concepts, uh, yeah. we got a lot of poster boys this week for you, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, we're uh. we're flipping it up a little bit. We're gonna go to we're poster boys right away. Poster boy. uh -oh. Yeah. So we couldn't choose just one. Oh, we're, we're 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 exploding with posters. So they yeah. were all, they were all. It's like cover our Pringles. 
fascinating posters. So I'm gonna go right into this. And this way we're kind of covering both yours and Corey's sections of yeah. the uh, podcast. So he has a couple others, but we're gonna go into these first, so. Oh boy. Oh boy. So, so I also have specific <laughs> Oh my God, what the hell? So I also have specific like things that I'm well. gonna ask you about. Is that who poster. I think it is? So it's not going to be like, well, guess the plot, guess the title. It's not going to be that rote. So you don't, that's why I didn't blur their faces or anything. Right. So I just wanted, I just wanted to know if you know this right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> not right off the bat. I would, it, oh, would, no. it, it would take me a couple guesses. But, well, what are they doing? Well, we've got, we've got I mean, Rob, Rob Schneider, yeah, and two oh, kids. Yeah, I mean. In, in headbands and samurai swords uh, on a surfboard oh. running over uh, oh wait a minute I think I know what this is but hang on are they running over Leslie Nielsen they sure yeah. are in the ocean uh, you probably know the one guy who's on the dressed surfboard. Leslie Nielsen as as dressed as the pigeon lady from Home Alone 2 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep um, is, is this surf ninjas it sure yeah. is Wait, so, you know that you know the guy on the surfboard though. Two of them, at least. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I, I said Rob Schneider. I don't know who the yeah, other. Yeah, so I don't he, know the other one. I don't know. He, he isn't a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, so he doesn't really. Oh. Know. Yeah, that's Kino from the second Turtles. Which so, one? The one on the right or the one on the, the left? The one in the front. Yeah. Okay. He's so he rundown, so. he was the big. Um, he, he kind of hit it big with the second turtles and said so this comes off of the, the capitalized pizza boy. his minor oh. theme. So So he got typecasted into ninja movies. Yeah, yeah. but he's he's legitimately good in this. He's he legit show he, off his martial arts skills, you know. I think he became a choreographer after he stopped. He but, did for a while, yeah. Then um, he's almost like Ki Hoi Kwan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Became like a stunt director. So. Um but just to get some bonus points, I wanted to see if you recognize this. And the reason I picked this poster and wanted to do this was because when Three Ninjas came up for us, this is all I thought it was. I described this when we reviewed it, and I was completely wrong. I don't know that I've ever actually seen Three Ninjas. God oh. awful. So, yeah, I know. This was a good film for me as a six-year-old, but, you know. It's probably cringe to walk and watch it now. Yeah. Or maybe I'm a seven minute. My birthday is Yeah, I don't want to revisit it. <laughs> but so to get some bonus points, I'm going to ask, what would you give as a tagline for this? Uh, okay. Uh, it's hmm. not that clever. <laughs> All right. How about? Said. I don't know. Something about catching waves and criminals. I don't know. Oh, that's not bad. They're off to catch the big one, and yeah, it's Leslie Nelson. Yeah, you got you actually got two good ones. Actually, you're fairly Surf, close. Surf's up. Time <laughs> to save the world. Surf ninjas. So that's you actually got some bonus points on that one. You're doing real well so far. So there's uh, a bunch. You know, sad part is, mm. I was gonna say it's directed by Neil Israel, who did a lot of movies with uh, the Zucker brothers. Yeah, that's why Leslie's in it. Yeah. So. Mm. So this next one is going to be more like your basic poster board. This was probably our favorite of the ones we chose, but this oh. is the most obscure. So I know you will know this film. No. So why don't you describe this poster and then come up okay. with a plot based on it? So the That's poster the is all right. It's it's framed when like Christmas lights, and then some dude 
sitting in a lawn chair on a roof, like overlooking the sunset, and his hair's on fire, and there's some sort of uh, paper flying about. Yeah. Uh, at first glance, I'm like, wait, did they make a twisted metal movie? <laughs> <laughs> Before the game even came out, right? Exactly. The show. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, or like that's what the games were based on because it's just yeah. this dude's got fire coming out of his head. Um, Looks like sweets. So, do I? What do you want me to do? Guess, guess plot. Guess. Come up with a plot for this, and then I'll yeah. I'll see if you could come up with a title based on your plot. See if you're anywhere close to what it is, because this is not going to be uh, directive towards what the plot is. But I'd rather you come up with it from the pushboard. This is like the ultimate. Thing okay. we were coming up with it's it's like a very stressed lawyer or accountant or some sort of business type who's finally learning to let go because he made a deal with the devil wait a minute that sounds a lot better than it probably is based on what Corey was telling me like he could not he could not let go of anything until he made a deal with the devil yeah and now he's just looking at the sky one last time. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, not bad. I like that. So what would you call that? Because it's the name is not anything to do with the plot. I think. One of the characters' names is in it. As yeah. above, so below. Which is a film from 2014. <laughs> but that's fine. I like that based on your plot. So it is called... Oh, never mind. Tagline first. What would you come up with a tagline for this poster? Just as a bonus. Not necessary, but this might give you some more hints onto what it's actually about. All right. Hang on. Hang on. As above, so below might be a good tagline, too, honestly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For for that plot. Just just simply Mondays. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, you got me a lot. <laughs> I actually like that. So, never start a romance you can't put out. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that changes it a little bit for you. Okay. See, now I'm thinking of repunctuating that. Never start a romance, comma you can't put out. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So this is very clearly. This is like a bedazzled type thing. He falls in love with the supernatural. That's probably better than what it is, too. Uh-huh. So, okay. I'll put you out of your misery. We got, I was going to guess maybe this if does you, not put me out of my misery. Guess. Deborah Winger, Dennis Quaid, and Arliss <laughs> Howard. Yep. Okay. Yep. It is called Wild or Napalm. Oh. I never heard of this film before we went through the month. Wild or Napalm. Bam, yeah, Wilder, Napalm. Why don't you tell Jeff what the uh, plot is, Corey? Okay. Um, Dennis Quaid and Arliss Howard are brothers who have pyrokinesis. Oh. And so it's literal. Um, Arliss Howard's name is Wilder. Um, he is a firefighter in a in a photo booth whose wife is Deborah Winger, who starts fires so that she can see him throughout the day. Oh, my God. Dennis Quaid is his wayward brother, who's a circus clown. 
who comes back to reclaim Deborah Winger. Oh, you sound so ashamed. <laughs> yeah, because I watched it, and um, if I told you who the writer is, you'd probably assume it was pretty good. Mm. I told oh, Justin yeah. this the other it's day. It's one of your favorites. Um, Vince Gilligan. You ever heard the yep. name Vince Gilligan? Oh, my God. Yeah, before he got into uh, the X-Files and doing episodes of that and Breaking Bad, he was doing spec scripts like this, and it is poor. <laughs> Movie's awful. Yeah, we're surprised he got his career after this. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Listen, he came no, into my it. office pitching anything after I saw this, which no, I don't think anybody saw it, but I'd be like, all right, you can leave. I'm sure that's why he's fine. <laughs> No one Everybody it, with, with the movie called Wilder Napalm, that's kind of a little, little, I don't know. That's just a weird title. That's like, just like you know, might as well just call it Friendly Fire or I don't know what the box office for Napalm or some like, shit like that. Yeah. I like Tristan like said, I didn't know this existed until we researched the month. Jimmy got some bonus points now. Oh, yeah. He came up with a better title. So. I called it uh, Friendly Fire. Yeah, how's going for the actual pot? It is. Yeah, and like, and it's kind of like you know, like yeah, friendly fire again been. with like it's called wild wilder napalm and like Vietnam they just called it super napalm. So yeah. like, but so like it's, it's napalm. So it's kind of confusing for people. That bad fire that just sticks sticks around too long. Do you know that? Other than a shirt, go home, Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Now this is just making me want a biopic of George Carlin based on napalm and silly buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have the book. That's a so good yeah, book. you guys are oh, killing it jokes. so far. Yeah. So the next one, I want you to come up with a tagline. Oh, I God, did... there's more. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh we... we're not, we're not even halfway. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so why don't you describe this? The next thing will like be the name, this. but then I'll have. There are actually two taglines. So. All right. So it's a guy in a tux at the door. Uh, Probably dead, you know, or a ghost or something. He's got fog all around him, unless that's just the censoring. Um, and he, nope. his arm Not is dismembered. Um, and he, but the dismembered arm is holding a bouquet of roses. So he's handing his arm to whatever presumable love interest opened the door mm -hmm. with his creepy zombie grin. So this can be some bonus points. This isn't the main thing I want from you, but this is one of my favorite taglines. So why don't you guess what a title could be for this? And then I'll just show you. Because this is just icing for this one. Ghost prom. That's not bad. You have an idea, Jimmy? Of course. Look who's coming to dinner. Yeah, I'm just gonna look who's coming to dinner is not bad. Look who's coming back to dinner. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, the, so he says this because it's called my boyfriend's back. Uh, oh my god, really? So you can guess the plot from this. Uh I don't know if you want to say it because that might uh help him with the tagline, but why don't why don't you try tagline first? Like what would you say for this poster based on just the title? <laughs> Because you can get it, basically, what the plot is from. True love never dies. That might be it. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh. Oh. True love never dies. 
So you nailed it. So that's <laughs> not my favorite tagline. There's one above his head that I just love. So you already got this. So this might be even more okay. icing. Wow, he, he's in the uh, jackpot in points today, man. Yeah, this might get your whole year. Um, so, so it's hard to follow up. He nailed the first one. So I know. Yeah. I know. Pressure, man. You got my hopes up. Yeah. Hang on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Have her back by 10 or else. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. You never would have gotten this. <laughs> Johnny would give an arm and a leg to date Missy. Well, maybe just an arm. <laughs> I love that tagline. But you got the real one. So yeah. I wasn't going to fall well, and get this. This is impossible. Je- Je- Jeff definitely had a heads up on this one. <laughs> I'll give you a half a point for that. Don't, don't, don't. So, give me a whole point, damn this one's oh, easy. Oh, come on. I just wanted to see if you knew what this was and if you could, if you don't know what it is, what you would call this. That's all I cared about. I mean, if you don't know what it is, you should be ashamed of yourself, really. It's one of the best movies in the 90s. I what? know, I know yeah, I what it movie. is, but I can't remember the name. Oh, no. Uh, no. There's okay. a hint on the poster. Yeah, no, I know. Think of celestial things. All right. Like an asteroid or a meteor man comet yeah there we go good job hey so funny brief story about this uh this came on this this came this came up on tv and i was like oh the meteor man and my parents were like you know this movie how did you see this movie i'm like i haven't seen it i saw an ad it was just the poster and they're like where did you see an ad for the meteor man and i went upstairs this was like 97 by now and I found the exact Disney Adventures issue that the ad was in. <laughs> I pulled it right out and was like, page 38. And they're like, oh my God. Maybe they're autistic. So, <laughs> so um, should, should this, should this, this should have be not a, been in Disney Adventures <laughs> magazine? I, it's kind of a kid's movie. They don't really curse or anything. It's, you know, it's a superhero. It's a, it's a, it's a family ask. It's lighthearted. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there are probably a couple Preaching. things that might go over some kid's head if they don't live in, yeah. you know, the ghetto. Cause yeah. Because like yeah. the, the Bloods and the Crips get along and they're like, oh, we're going to put our differences aside and we're going to fight the bad yeah. guy. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> as a kid, you're not going to know that unless you like, you know about gangs. Right. But I do think it was surprisingly progressive for the time. Little Townsend did a good job. Dude, little did we know the real villain is the guy three names from the right. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was a good movie back then. I don't know if it holds up. Doesn't. But... So what's the obviously it's a naysayer. Obviously it's Stop. a superhero movie, but like is there a, a plot that we should be Yeah, what's the plot, Corey? I think I think Jimmy just said the plot pretty much. Yeah, that's basically it. The hood has to come. He gets powers and he's trying to combat the gangs in the inner city. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Bill like, Cosby's in there as a favor, and he's given no lines, I think, because you have to pay. Because, you know, uh, we know this because we're Hollywood insiders. You got to pay somebody if they speak dialogue to get uh, residuals. So they gave him no dialogue. They still had to pay him. His name is. Well, he did, well, you know what I mean? Like, you know how extras get bumped up if they got dialogue? Mm. They go into a different pay grade. Sure. So you probably got a certain amount for being on the poster, though. Yeah. Anyway, 
but a lot of good actors in it, good. other than Bill Cosby, Robert Guillaume, Marla Gibbs. I don't Matt, know that James, James Earl Jones. Jones. He's, a, he's a shifty person. No. Yeah. What yeah. a lineup. He's wearing a great wig in it, too. Yeah. I I like the film, but we'll move I, on since Black Man's better. Yeah. So I just wanted to know if you recognize this yeah. and what it might be. Oh. It's a Friday the thirteenth movie. I know that. Yeah. Which one? Hang on. Well, okay. Well it's the one where everything's on fire, the mask is made of chrome, and there's a space snake going through it. You'll find none it's... of that stuff is in there. Yeah, so that is not a hint technically. Uh is Jason X? No. Nope. Oh, that's later. It's not Before a that snake. actually. Jason goes to hell. Again. He got it. it. Yeah. So, given that you know that it's Jason goes to hell, what would you use as a tagline? Let's see. This is just a bonus. I wanted to see if you knew the which one it was. That's not too hard. This is like in case you hadn't gotten any of the other four posters. This fall, evil goes back to its roots. Oh, this fall, Jason yeah. uh, raises hell in hell. That's not bad either, especially for how campy these things are. Jason visits so. his hometown. Oh. oh, wait, you know what? He kind of got it. Yeah. Hey, oh. evil has finally found a home. Yeah, not bad. So Way too happy about that. That fucking worm's not even <laughs> the in final the final Friday. Friday. Yeah, yeah, that'll... I remember seeing this poster and thinking yeah, this bullshit. was going to be in it. So... Yeah, so not bad. You you may have done the best you've ever done when you have I mean, I the pretty... most you've ever had. So, <sighs> maybe we should combine the sections. Nah. See, I like but... this. I like this little chance to redeem myself halfway through the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So th- I'm sure there were a couple others that didn't have very dynamic posters, but no. Um. There's one that has a. Uh... Pretty run of the mill poster, but it's considered a classic. I saw a lot of people posting about it not too long ago. Uh, mm-hmm. The Fugitive came out. Okay, right. Like big screen adaptation of the TV show with eventual uh, best picture nominee. And Tommy Lee Jones won best supporting actor for this. I uh, don't care. Exactly. Yeah. It's basically almost... one off of that line. <laughs> yeah, that was the Oscar clip, I feel like. Yeah. Either that or when at the beginning when he's first introduced, he's going, We're going to search every hen house, outhouse. Yeah. Yeah. It, I feel like the movie without his character would not be considered a classic for sure. Mm-hmm. Because it would just be, like I said, an obligatory cat and mouse chase. But he, his character and his team, in fact, elevated to another level. Because mm-hmm. the book ends. Mm, the way they expedite the 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 justice system at the beginning is a little absurd, and at the end, it's kind of obvious who the villain is. But that midsection is so good in the movie; it's very white knuckle, which is probably why it's considered a classic nowadays. Not that not to say that uh, Harrison Ford doesn't do a great job in the movie too, because even in the scene that you point out where he says that uh, that famous line, Harrison Ford looks like he has palpable nervousness before he jumps mm-hmm. yeah that's probably I the think... most like famous like sh- one of the most famous shots that gets parodied like throughout the 90s right and that dummy looks good 
I think uh, Harrison Ford gives a fantastic performance, but there was just a story that was apparently um, in in the news of the 30th anniversary that was like, he turned to Tommy at one point and was like, um, oh, this is, this is going to be my uh, Howard Ho- or Hudson Hawk. And like, this isn't going to do well. They're, they're like sitting in uh, waist deep water chasing each other. And he's like, this is, this was a mistake. So. I guess he didn't look forward to some of the movies he made in the 2000s. I know. You can never tell well you're making a film, though. I mean, if you yeah. remember when we covered Jurassic Park, he was the first choice for this and turned it down to do this. So you never know. And and he says that he wanted to do it so he could wear a beard for once. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones wasn't the first choice either. I forget who else was in there, but I think Gene Hackman might have been one of them. Could, so, oh, that would have been interesting. That guy, I could see that actually. That would be yeah, good. but think about him delivering like I don't care the every hen house. You know, it would have been a little different. So well, I can imagine it. Like it's, it's Gene Hackman. Yeah. He's got a he's got a he's got an air about him. Yeah, they are similar. You know what's funny? I feel like maybe he improvised the I don't care, kind of like when Harrison Ford said, "I know." That's what and I've Leia heard. Says I love you. I've heard. At the very least, it's his delivery that sells it. So. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, you could, how do you, how would you say that line if all you've done is read it? You know? Right. So, I don't care. <laughs> Part time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the movie. That's another no, one. It's a really you, good movie. You see and, and put on for a half an hour, watch a little bit of it, whether it's sure. the train chasing them down the, uh, Tracks. That's a composite that's shot that's really well done. Is it? I didn't know that. When he jumps from the train. Yeah. Um, um, so another uh, movie that's kind of a cult classic action movie is John Woo's first movie in the U.S., uh, Hard Target. This, ah. We fluctuated between having this as the main feature for the month or Heart and Souls. Yeah, we've was... done a couple of action movies recently, so we wanted to kind of... Um, it was basically we would have uh, we paired Heart and Souls with uh, Rising Sun, or it would have been Hard Target with uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Right. I think all four are good. Mm-hmm. But... No, Hard Hard Target's good. Uh, you get to see it. it's got a lot of his motifs. Um, there's doves at one point in the finale. The finale is amazing. If you've ever, if you've never seen the movie, just watch it for the finale alone. It's got some great pyrotechnics and action scenes. Um, we got Lance Henderson. It's basically um, a recycling of uh, the most dangerous game. It's set in uh, New Orleans, which I should have rewatched after we went to New Orleans. But I probably could have picked mm-hmm. up some spots, maybe. Yeah, so another Sean location. Yeah. Um, the funniest thing is uh, his uncle in the movie, John Claude Van Damme's uncle in the movie, is played by Wilford Brimley. Oh, really? Who gets to do some stunts? Wow. On horseback, yeah. yeah. Damn it. I'm feeling like we should have gotta done watch it, man. It's fun. We should have we should have done Axe Murderer and Hard Target. Yeah, those are better movies, honestly. Oh well. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, I mean, these are the two we chose are definitely hidden gems. That's true. They're hidden. So. For sure. <laughs> um, but the speaking of the other uh, Jerome Crabbe movie that came out this month, uh, King of the Hill, which is based uh-huh. on a memoir. Uh, a coming-of-age memoir of this author, and it's um, one of the early directorial efforts of uh, Steven Soderbergh. It's funny, I I was watching it 
uh, this past week and I sent Tristan a picture of somebody in the movie and I was like, can you guess who this actor is? Very early role from uh, Adrian Brody. Um, I didn't know that Jesse Bradford was a child actor. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the, the youngest I've ever seen him. He's amazing in the movie. I, I don't know if he got nominated for anything. Do you guys but... remember Swim Fan? Yes, yeah, so he started doing garbage like that. Yeah. But uh, he has, he has a good one from a movie called uh, Fly Away Home. Uh, far Away. Far Away Home. I'm thinking of the yeah. bird. Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog, which comes out in two years. Yeah. It's basically like a half baked Homeward Bound, but, you know, I was nine when it came out, so I like that. You know, there were a bunch of dog movies all. You so know, you just said half baked Homeward Bound, and I'm just thinking Dave Chappelle and like pot and shit with like dogs isn't, and isn't cats. Isn't that strays? Isn't that what strays? Yeah, right? yeah, strays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I should have said it differently, I guess. But I don't think the dog's cursing in this. Jesse Bradford's no, good in that too. So good he's, he's still like 13, 14 in that, you know. Uh, yep. Not as good when he's an adult. <laughs> he has a good stint on the West Wing, actually. He doesn't really do much else after Swim Fan. So when one uh, once revered, now disgraced actor had his directorial debut this month, which is uh, Man Without a Face, Mel Gibson's directorial debut, which is weird that he goes from this modest drama to his next big directorial effort is Braveheart. The budgets yeah, are nope. considerably different. No one saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good movie. It's a it's a it's a two hander between him and the, I think it's Nick Stoll plays a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, the makeup. Speaking of how bad the makeup was in Heart and Soul, the makeup in this to because half of his face is uh, burnt. Mm-hmm. Gibson, very well done. Yeah, better than Two Face and Dark Knight. Yes. Well, I mean that almost was makes me wish he had played that role. Oh yeah, a little bit. But um, it's a it's a really good movie. Uh, it's I could see why as an actor you would want to direct this as your first directorial effort because you don't want you want to show off your chops behind the camera, but you don't want to be overwhelmed by like budget and scope. So I could see why he went from this to Braveheart, not the other way around. It is kind of funny that he uh, obviously you can direct yourself, but he also has right. to go through the makeup trailer first. Yes. How long is he on set? Did he sleep at all? Some, he... some people sleep in the makeup chair, I've heard. So He's friends with uh, Downey. Maybe he was on coke just to stay awake. Huh. Maybe they're filming mean... down the street from each other. Yeah, maybe. Whatever. I mean, who isn't on coke in Hollywood? Come in 93? Yeah. Um, is it good? I've never seen Man Without a Face. It is good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um. So... Bond farewell to us, somebody we featured on the podcast in uh, one of his films, and we've talked about him throughout the movies. River Phoenix's last role was in a thing called Love, and if you didn't know he was having problems from the onset, he makes it pretty conspicuous throughout the film. He's clicking his jaw a lot. He looks kind of ghoulish in certain scenes, and he's supposed to be the romantic lead, which which doesn't work for the movie. (laughs) Um, Weirdly enough, I was telling Tristan this. It's directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Outside of like Targets, the last picture show and like What's Up Doc, he was kind of a gun for hire after like the 70s and early 80s. Yeah. And this is a music, like a country musical drama. And it's brought with cliche. 
Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was I was listening to a podcast that was sort of from Peter's point of view, that is interviews with him and Ben Ben Mankiewicz from TCM, and then Polly Platt's point of view from interviews and books she wrote and stuff. And they had come into Hollywood together and did those first few films and then split because they're both cheating on each other and like, you know, get swept up in the Hollywood machine and everything. And they're both neurotic and everything. And the way you hear it from both of them, Without the other, they couldn't make a good film again. Holly Platt never got her chance to direct a film herself, but she's always the woman behind a bunch of different men. Like Peter, she introduced James O. Brooks to Matt Groening, and that's how The Simpsons started. She was an advocate for both Cameron Crowe and Wes Anderson uh, for their first films, Say Anything and uh, Bottle Rocket. But she never got to do something herself. She was supposed to direct The War of the Roses, and that got sort of shuffled into Danny DeVito. It's I funny can't that, we were just talking about that. Yeah, we were talking about that last night, but yeah, like I the thought, actual War of the Roses. That's why I said that. He wrote, he watched a YouTube cartoon about War of the Roses last yeah, night. Yeah, history simplified. Funny, you're, uh, I thought you were yeah. watching the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Peter goes on to do other like half-baked comedies like, uh, like Thing Called Love and never really achieves the success he had with The Last Picture Show. And it's because of the two of them. They were so good together. And it's just, they both don't blame each other, but they sort of blame each other without blaming themselves. And it's it's just a shame that they couldn't work together. You know who's a modern-day equivalent, I'm realizing? Adam mm-hmm. McKay and Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Can't get it together without each other, man. So they weren't sleeping around on each other. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're married. How dare they? Yeah, yeah. They're just, they got to get over their... Uh, they they can't be passive aggressive, you know. Yeah. Sort of it was all John way. C. Riley's fault, apparently. Yeah. yeah. We we were talking about Steve Zalian a couple months ago with uh, Jack the Bear, mm. and um, he this is his directorial debut with uh, Searching for Bobby Fisher. Oh. Uh, really good chess drama. Um, Bobby Fisher's not in the movie, but he's talked about several times. I don't think they wanted anybody ranting anti-Semitic. High raids throughout the movie. <laughs> it's about this kid who's a chess prodigy. That um, started after this movie, I thought. Was it? I don't because know. Because they talk about how hated he is throughout the movie, so. Maybe it was before. I don't know. We were seven at the time, so. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really good. And it's, it's got an all-star cast. Oh, my God. Got Joe Montana in there. Um, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Wayne H. Macy. Ben Kingsley. Uh, a lot of a lot of character actors in there. Yeah, that's really well done. Um, and the last thing I'll cover is um is a mystery in the high rise in Manhattan. There's a murder that happens with me and my wife, Diane Keaton. Manhattan murder mystery came out this month. You imagine? You gotta cut this out because uncanny. Was, no, 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 that was pretty good. no, 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 no. We're keeping it. It's uncanny. Oh, was, I like that. Yeah. The solid Woody Allen. It had murder mystery. One of the last great films of Woody Allen in the nineties. Yep. Actually, I, I think it's the last movie the he collaborated with Diane Keaton. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I don't, I can't I don't remember I can't anything any others. Yeah. Yeah, this might have been it. Yeah. It was a great one to end on. Yeah, it's a good film still. It's yeah. Going through some legal troubles at the time, but he still uh, pulled it through. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I think somebody else was cast in the movie at the time, but they had to drop out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know who that could be. But... 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, good film. Uh, he does a couple more. <laughs> yeah. All great. Uh, nothing goes wrong for the rest of his life. Oh, of course not. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a solid dude. Yeah. I think his name is Woody. He's doing the oh, next shot. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't sure what you guys would want to do for the picks of the month. Uh, we have a, a variety of people in this film that we could pick one and cover. I know we did Robert Downey Jr. for Air America, so we can't really cover him again, but um, we could do ghost movies, though we sort of did that with something, I believe. Remember. Yeah. Can we do something. a haunted house movie. We could always do Tom Sizemore. No. Since yeah, Tom, Tom Sizemore, Sizemore I was thinking. Since, since Tom Sizemore passed away earlier this year, I thought it might be good. Uh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Good coverage for him. Forgot about that. Yeah. And he has like 300 credits to his name. I mean, oh, yeah. after Saving Private Ryan, it pretty much becomes stuff we've never heard of and that's half of his filmography but well he needed money there's still a good stuff in his peak when uh like this where he seems sober you know yeah yeah i'm not gonna lie if we go with tom sizemore you already said my pick (laughs) i find it oh i know yeah saving brian ryan yeah that was the first thing i seen him in or at least first thing i seen him in that i remembered this is definitely the first thing I've seen him in, but Saving Private Ryan is a great pick. Yeah. Also, like everybody's performance in that movie was like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. This is gonna this is gonna be cliche, but Heat. <clears throat> I had a feeling you'd go with that. I still haven't seen Heat. I gotta see it. I've seen you, parts of it, and I know I I'd like you, it. I give you an alternative because Heat's kind of like a pantheon movie, like so. Not that. Um, Black Hawk Down. Oh, yeah, no, that is a good Black one. Black Hawk yeah. Down yeah, is good on that one. He's one of the more memorable people, too. Yeah, he stands out more in Black Hawk Down than he does in Heat. It's funny he's kind of overshadowed by those two guys. I'd actually go with a film uh, that I think I picked before, uh, Bringing Out the Dead. I think I picked mm. it for Nick Cage, but that's a film where it's essentially Christmas Carol because Nick Cage is a nighttime yes. ambulance driver, and he has three different partners throughout the movie. And it's John Goodman, Bing Rames, and Tom Sizemore. And they're both more and more erratic. And uh, it's basically trying, like, the, they're the three ghosts trying to get him to change his ways. And it's a brilliant film. It's my favorite Scorsese. And I think Tom Sizemore is the best. Jesus. Thing I've seen. No, Wait, I haven't seen that one. That's a hot take. I, I didn't even know Scorsese uh, directed it. It didn't do well. We should, we should watch it. Yeah, we should. We should watch it. It's also a 1999 film. So yeah. we could cover it. Yeah, we could get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So. Ooh, can we have a time warp episode where we go ahead in the decade or go in another decade? I mean, we re- we could record stuff ahead of time if you want, but I well, like they look considerably younger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ah well. Um, what about you, Jeff? Have you looked at, did I give you enough time to get into his filmography? I'm still I'm still going because. Uh... Listen. So, oh wait, wait. Oh no, that was a TV show. That's okay. What is it? I don't know. Twin Peaks. Oh, he's no, good in cra- Twin Peaks. No, Crash. Um, but oh, he's on the Crash he, TV show. He's actually good in that. Yeah. So here's the thing. <clears throat> I don't think I've seen other than this. I think this was the only Tom Sizemore project I've ever seen. You never seen Saving Private Ryan? 
Wait a second. That's on no. American, buddy. You've seen Point, <laughs> point Break? Is in Point Break? I don't think I've seen Point never Break. Never seen Point Break. He's Natural Born that. Killers? Ooh. I've never seen Natural Born Killers. True Romance? True Romance think, is fine. You know what's funny? We're going to be I talking think, about it next month. I think yeah. I saw... We have back-to-back Tom Sizemore films. Well, you saw him in Passenger 57. Oh, wait. He was a voice in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I'm calling it that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, it's a roll. 317 <laughs> credits, and you've seen two of them. Put, the, put down his gravestone. <laughs> He's good in that. I can't deny that. Ray Liotta was, too. He's you know, going over this, I actually realize I appreciate him more. He, he kind of got overshadowed by his troubles, so that's right. a shame. Oh, yeah. But the, yeah. these picks we have, these are actually really, really good performances from him. Yeah. So. The relics. He was in Harley oh. Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Wait, he was. He's oh yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. There's three. Wait, Corey, you said he was in the Relic. He's the lead. Wait, in the Relic. Yeah, he's the lead. Wait. Imagine the face of the guy, like drawn back, trying to figure things out. I don't remember. I remember seeing the Relic. What? Tim and Penelope and Miller. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really okay, I gotta rewatch that movie. Holy he's shit. losing his hair already. Yeah, yeah he's like, kind of his hair like looks the like the of his... it did in Pete. Yeah, huh. got like widow's peak going on. He's definitely like in the height of his drugs. He was in Penn was like... and Teller get killed. Also, Penn and Teller get killed is a thing. I mm-hmm. saw it. It's not good. They don't die. They get killed on stage. I imagine that was the case. No, in the movie they get killed. Oh, they actually die. Yeah, hey, don't spoil it. Gonna... <laughs> I want to watch it. You're never going to see it. That's the one you'd pick of Tom Sizemore. The... <laughs> We're going to show you Saving Private Ryan and Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah, as long as he didn't say Dreamcatcher, we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least he's not oh, doing what uh, the Wahlberg did in that. Wait, he oh, was he in went the... full retard. Yeah. Oh, the Dreamcatcher? Yeah. With the, with the shit weasels? Yes. Yeah, I remember the shit weasels. All of this is Boy, it's a memorably awesome. bad movie. I'll tell you. Good. You don't want them. <laughs> I got it. All oh of God. this. You shouldn't like that movie, Jimmy. I, no, I love that movie. It's good. No. I got People it. You're laughing. It wasn't supposed to be a comedy. Oh, was it? Like but hey, also the, uh, the dude from All Rats is in it. Um, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Oh, Morgan Freeman, yeah. But like, uh, in a galactic Winnebago. I remember uh, that line. They the guy from Morats, I can't remember his name. Jason Lee. Yeah, there we go. He's in it. He he dies a shitty death. So next month, you you mentioned it when we were talking about Tom Sizemore. We'll see if Jimmy sticks around at least vocally for this. Yeah. Um, he is coming back next month, Tom Sizemore, for a film that we're covering. I had wanted to see this when I I saw that this exists. Uh, there he goes. Oh well, we uh we're covering Striking Distance, which has um oh, i thought it was coming in we're oh there he is we're we're covering striking distance which has um bruce willis yeah in another Probably. movie so we're covering him I again I can't, I can't get it and tom says we're just just come closer there you go i had to touch you to get mm. you so, oh what well, you're right keep <laughs> on touching me oh now i'm done now you're fading now. jimmy's jimmy's the soul that was bound to you from birth 
So uh, next month we're covering an action film. It's uh, one that people probably don't remember from Bruce Willis's career because it bombed and uh, was in So, yeah, we're excited about seeing them. A lot of people not alive in that film anymore. Oh, oh so, yeah, that that movie killed. Kind of depressing. Yeah, yeah. And Bruce is next. Anyway, so we'll uh, we'll see you next month for striking distance. Hope you enjoyed this. Jimmy's going Remember, back to the evening. Great review, subscribe. That's our lifeblood. You can make sure yeah. we uh, get a five star review, so that's how people see us. That's going to be a more. That, that could be the intro to this episode. Oh my God, please don't. <laughs> You're frightening me. No, no, we're keeping that. Don't do nope. that. That's how Keep the podcast is ending now, bugs.